The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. The text for our meditation this morning are the scripture readings that were read for you earlier, especially about our gospel reading. The question, why do you want to know, is a good one, and is the theme for our message this morning. As Jesus was traveling on the road to Jerusalem, we are told, traveling through town, someone asked Jesus this question, Lord, will those who are saved be few? Now, after hearing this question, Jesus doesn't give this person as direct of an answer as he oftentimes does. And in his commentary on Luke, Dr. Art Just gives us a different word than you find in a variety of translations. The ESV uses the word strive. NIV says make every effort. But Dr. Just suggests that we translate the word struggle to enter in through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter in and will not be able. We'll look at that word struggle a little bit later. Have you ever noticed that in a number of doors, especially older doors, you will find a cross? Because Christian carpenters wanted people to see the image of the cross and a reminder to people of this text that we need to enter in through the narrow door if we will enter heaven. But entering through that narrow door is possible only through faith in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Now, getting back to our text, I find Jesus' response to this man quite interesting. Because last month, when I was preaching about Luke chapter 10... In the question that a man came to Jesus, a certain young lawyer, he asked Jesus the question, what must I do to be saved? And do you remember Jesus' response? He asked a couple questions instead. The questions he said were these, in the law, what is written? How do you read it? So in our gospel reading for today, Jesus goes on to tell this person, struggle to enter in through the narrow door. In one of my seminary classes, one of my favorite professors in college who was also at the seminary, Dr. Robert Kolb, instructed us that it would be helpful when somebody asks us a question to respond with this question. Why do you want to know? You see, when somebody asks us a question, asking why do you want to know can help us to understand whether the person asking the question is repentant or non-repentant and understanding more about why are you asking 
this particular question. I sure wish Jesus would have asked this man this question. Why do you want to know if a few will be saved? Was it that this man had been watching Jesus and all the people who had been following him? And realizing that many of the people who had been following him were no longer following him. So maybe there will only be a few. Of course, Jesus didn't ask him that question. Instead, he tells the man to struggle, to enter in through the narrow door. Jesus was helping this man to understand that entering through the narrow door takes effort. And with it, he helps us to see that we can't save anyone else. We all need to look at our own relationship with Jesus Christ. In his commentary, Dr. Just writes a variety of different things, but I appreciated what he wrote about the word struggle. Because he helps us to see that using that word struggle is intended to help us to realize, first of all, that it's not by what we do, our moral efforts, that will attain salvation. It's also not possible for us to gain heaven by exercising responsibility. But rather, it is when we repent. You see, the repentance is really important for us to think about and for us to consider today. Which is why today and in every service we have, we begin with a confession of our sins. Because it's important for us to repent of our sins and recognize that it is our sins that are a barrier between us and God. And this is something that we have to go through each and every day. And it really is a lifelong struggle. A struggle. As we put to death that old sinful human nature. As we remember we are baptized as God's children. And he assures us each and every day that we are forgiven. The Apostle Paul, of course, describes the struggle in Romans 7 and 8. It's really a challenge that we have, isn't it, every day? I do the things that I don't want to do. And on and on and on it goes. So truly this responsibility is ours as God the Holy Spirit works in our lives leading us through his word to repent because after all we've got three enemies every day don't we the devil the world and our sinful flesh aren't they always there one maybe more than another at different times different times in our lives they tempt us in a way that we will turn away from God. But it doesn't sound so bad when we are offered these temptations, does it? No, it looks good at first. But our God 
is a God who works through his word to lead us to repentance in this ongoing struggle in our lives. Now, as you think about Jesus' conversation with this man, I'd like you to know a very important point, and it's simply that Jesus does answer this man's question. But he goes through a lot of explanation before he gets there. And this is it. Some are last who will be first. Some are first who will be last. Try and unpack that one. Our sermon hymn really gets that point, doesn't it? Sometimes we are prone to wander. But our Lord calls us back. And some people have wandered. And only later in life, perhaps even on their deathbed, they profess faith in Jesus Christ. Now, for our context, in looking at what Jesus was doing as he had this man come and talk with him, Jesus was talking about the kingdom of God. This kingdom where Christ came into this world to bring his people, to gather his people together so that they could see and hear God at work in their lives, applying his word, teaching his word, so that we could indeed look at who are we and what does that mean for us. For Jesus was the bringer of God's kingdom into their very midst. And did you notice, actually you have to go and read the context. Right before our text, Jesus talks about the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It's like yeast. It starts off so small, but it spreads and it grows. And that's the way the kingdom of God is. Christ brought that kingdom of God into our very midst. And that kingdom of God is here in our midst. But before Jesus could really bring that kingdom of God into our midst, he had to do something, and that, of course, was to die on the cross for our sins and the sins of all humanity. Jesus says, struggle to enter in through the narrow door, and then he implies that this door is open right now because he helps us to understand that door will be shut. And there will be people who on the day when they have died or Christ returns in glory, they will be pounding on the door. Pounding on the door and say, we ate drink in your presence. And you taught in our streets. And Jesus will say, no, I don't even know you. I don't even know where you're from. Depart from you, all you workers of evil. Jesus' words are harsh, yet they're true. Harsh, but true. The gate to heaven will be closed for those who refuse to truly believe in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Now, it may seem as we listen to that and this pounding on the doors and thinking about the people 
who will not be entering in, well, then there certainly must only be a few, right? Look at the cover of your bulletin and you will see something different. For indeed, we are told that there will be people like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and all the people will come from the east and the west and from north and south and they will recline at table in the kingdom of God. It's going to be an amazing celebration with a lot of people. Yes, there will be many. But there will be those who will not believe. And there will be people who have believed and they will struggle with their faith. This morning I happened to listen to the Lutheran Hour. And Dr. Ken Klaus was on the seminary or archives in August, they call it. And at the end of his sermon, as he was preaching on this text, he gave this story which I thought was so helpful that I'd like to close the sermon with. Years ago, Robert Robinson ventured out on a Sunday, sunny Sunday morning in London. Sadly, his mood didn't reflect the day. Robert Robinson felt alone. The faith which he once had held was gone, and it had been years since he had been in church. When Robinson heard a cab coming, he lifted his hand for a ride, but he stopped when he realized the cab was occupied by a lady going to church. She had the cab stopped and offered to share. As the carriage rolled along, the lady and Mr. Robinson introduced themselves. She recognized his name. What an interesting coincidence, she said. Reaching into her purse, she withdrew a small book of inspirational poems. She handed him the open book and said, I was just reading a verse by a poet named Robert Robinson. Could it be? Robinson confessed to being the author. How wonderful, the young lady said. Imagine I'm sharing a carriage with the author of these very lines. But Robinson barely heard her. He was reading his own words, words which would someday become a powerful hymn that read, Come now, fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace, streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. And then he read the last verse, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it, seal it for the courts above. With tears, Robinson confessed, I wrote these words and I've lived these words, prone to wander, prone to leave the God I love. The woman understood and added, you also wrote, here's my heart, oh, take and seal it. Mr. Robinson, it's not too late. Mr. Robinson became the Lord's own. And we pray there will be more that will. Amen.